Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to The Discourse, a short-form, one-on-one interview podcast with filmmakers, actors, and other industry folks, hosted by myself, Mike D'Angelo. My guests today are two remarkably talented people who are currently out promoting their latest film, Confess Fletch, director Greg Matola and star of the film and Fletch himself, Mr. John Hamm. Uh, Greg, you may know from his films like Superbad or Adventureland or Paul and many more, uh, while John is John frickin' Hamm. So he's Don Draper from Mad Men. He was in this year's biggest movie, uh, Top Gun Maverick, as Cyclone. He's also been in films like Baby Driver, Bridesmaids, The Report. The list goes on and on with that guy. But I'm sure the question many of you are asking is around Confess Fletch, with that being, is it any good? Is John Hamm a decent Fletch? Uh, where's Chevy Chase? Well, I can tell you that the film itself is really fun and smart, and John Hamm is an excellent Fletch, and this has nothing to do really with the Chevy Chase films, as this is kind of a reboot more or less. So there are things they do kind of as an homage or a salute to the 80s Fletch films, but this really is a film that feels more akin to the books that the original Fletch films were based on. So with that said, it feels very Fletch. Ham is delightfully dry and sarcastic and full of wit and humor, as you would want. Um, And the film also revolves around, you know, a murder that Fletch is directly attached to. So if you're more familiar with modern films, you might compare it to something like Shane Black's Kiss Kiss Bang Bang or The Nice Guys. You know, it's a nice, well-written, performed, comedic noir kind of tale. And it really sets up a great world that I'd love to revisit. So here's hoping that it's a hit and we get to see more Fletch adventures with Mr. Ham and Mr. Matola. Uh, during our chat, we got to talk about how they got this film made after many actors and directors have failed time and time again. Uh, if they have any other books in mind to adapt, uh, the 15th anniversary of Superbad some projects that Mr. Ham has coming up as well. Confess Fletch hits theaters and VOD on Friday, September 16th before premiering on Showtime on October 28th. Before I shoot you over to our interview, I've got to tell you that the discourse is a part of the Playlist Podcast Network, which includes the Playlist Podcast, Bingeworthy, Be Real, Deep Focus, The Fourth Wall, and more. It can be heard on Apple Podcasts, Anchor FM, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite shows. Be sure to subscribe and drop us a comment or rating as we do very much appreciate it. Okay, here's my conversation with the lovely and hilarious duo of director Greg Matola and John Hamm. Good. 
good. Mike D'Angelo with the playlist. John, Greg, thanks so much for your time today, guys. Sure. Oh, thanks. Awesome. So I really, really like this movie. I have a confession to make, though. I had never seen a Fletch film before the day I saw Confess Fletch, and I watched all three in succession. So <laughs> I binged every Fletch movie, and I think they stand really well together, shoulder to shoulder. They got kind of a really similar vibe, but there's also, you know, obviously modern differences to this one. But I think they hold up really well together. So congratulations on that. Did you watch them in order? Did you watch Fletch? I did. Fletch lives, Confess Fletch. Impressive. That's right. That's impressive. Wow. Yeah. You Thank can. you for making it to the end. I actually really enjoyed myself. I kept, you know, people kept saying you need to watch Fletch. And obviously I was like, I'm getting around to it. I'm getting around to it. And then, you know, this came up. I'm like, I've got to watch them now. Let's do them. Well, as you found out, the, you know, the original is totally very different. They were first two are totally very different, but it presented a very fun opportunity to kind of uh, uh, shake the etch-a-sketch and, and, and start all over. And uh, the last thing we wanted to do was do a Chevy Chase impersonation because right. um, we know that those two movies live in people's memories and on people's streaming platforms and and are eminently available if, if need be. Uh, what we wanted to do was strike out in a new direction and hopefully get a chance to, to make a couple more of these uh, stories uh, because they're really satisfying to watch, as you rightfully point out. Yeah, it's a great world to spend some time in. I got I, I got really attached to just the the aura of it all, the the world that you guys set up. So really would really love to see like, you know, if you guys threw one out every year, every other year, kind of like a TV series, I would love to just spend time with Fletch every year. That would be great. Your lips guys. to God's ears. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, we would, I would love, love it too. Yeah. So with that said, there's been a lot of ramp up to like getting a Fletch m- movie off the ground with other directors, other actors. And it's been kind of like almost a cursed property. Like people keep trying and it keeps failing. People keep trying and keeps failing. So what, how did it come to you guys and how did you get it off the ground? Uh, I have been sort of tangentially aware of what you were talking about of sort of, you know, I remember hearing Jason Sudeikis was going to do it and Ryan Reynolds and uh, fill in the blank of, of who Kevin Smith and Jason Lee, Yeah, Kevin Smith and that whole crowd. I think that the problem that people ran into was that uh, there was the 800 pound gorilla in the room of the original film and, and people were nervous about re there didn't really exist the, the idea of rebooting either uh, until relatively recently. And when you were talking about releasing a film in only a theatrical release and uh, there were other factors that had to be, you know, kind of, understood and 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 worked into the equation and so it, all of those weird things that the creative people don't necessarily think about but the business people do i think conspired to to hinder that process to my great uh amusement and happiness because uh none of them ever got made and <laughs> a couple of years ago bill block at miramax was like you know we have uh the rights to all of the fletch books we think you'd be great for it. And I said, I think you are a very smart man (laughs) and creatively correct. And I would love to do that. And then the, the, the challenge came to, okay, well, what's this iteration going to look like? And I knew that I wanted to work with Greg again. I had worked on a couple projects with Greg before I knew his sensibility as a filmmaker and as a comedian and as a comic storyteller and, and um, a film buff, I knew that would jive very well with, what I thought this this new version could be, um, and 
once we started getting into conversations about it, I, I knew I was right and we've, we felt right together. And so we were able to really put this together in a, in a you know, I think had we had a, another $10 million and another 10 days of shooting, it would have been great, but we didn't. You make the movie with the, the, the things that we had. I wish we didn't have to shoot it during pandemic either, you yeah. know, when 20 cents out of every dollar doesn't go on the screen. But again, here we are. And, uh, you know, necessity makes a very creative choices. Uh, it's the mother of invention, right? It's, uh, it's, that's, that's when you have to really get into solving problems creatively. And that's what we did. And we made a, our very specific, uh, funny, satisfying version of this movie. Agreed. And like you said, there are a lot of books. There are 11 books, I believe. Did it take you time to just be like, okay, this is the one we want to kind of adapt for, for modern times? You had already decided that before you yeah. came to me. And part of it was that... that uh, Was that a power move? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> so this is what we're making, Greg. <laughs> um, shut up. Uh, no, we... Uh, part of it was that baked into the story is that Fletch is retired. So he's coming back to something, right? He's, mm-hmm. he's in Italy. He's whatever his dalliance with Mrs. Stanwyck is over and the Underhill's credit card has run out and all of the... <laughs> all of the references to the the 80s version other than his undying love of the lakers which is something that i think was totally brought to the thing by chevy i don't think that was yeah that was yeah that was that's that was our that we, our tribute to the original we course. gave him his nod to that which is very funny having a, a laker fan in the middle of boston i think that there yeah. was a lot of fun to, to be mined out of that too but yeah so part of it was that he was retired and coming back so it from a just from a thematic and story standpoint, it kind of made sense. Okay, this is the reason for the thirty-year layoff. Okay, he, he hasn't aged at all, but uh, you know, whatever. <laughs> it's it's been a minute, and he's kind of coming back to what it is. Uh, his old boss Frank is uh, is is still there, plugging away, even though the newspaper industry is dying. And and so there were a lot of like interesting uh, little fun facts about just what the story. Uh, what Gregory McDonald had put into this particular book in the 70s. So it was, it was, it was kind of ready-made. Yeah. Yeah. And there are a lot of characters in the novel that maybe wouldn't make sense in 2022, but there could be equivalents of, for instance, um, Annie Mamalo's character, there was, there's a neighbor who was a bit of a lush. I turned her into a, into a pothead. Just batshit crazy. <laughs> yeah, batshit crazy pothead. And, and, and who better to get than Annie. And uh, so, you know, we took those sort of classic scenes of a detective going around interviewing people, going from place to place, trying to get clues, sometimes pretending to be someone he's not, and that are in the novel and made our own versions of them. And which I love that genre. I love some of my favorite movies are whether it's Chinatown or Maltese Falcon or The Big Lebowski, I just think is one of the most enjoyable genres, partially because you get to see something get solved, but also because the detectives, when they're really interesting, um, yes. are great wish-fulfilling characters. I wish I could be Fletch mm-hmm. um, and and get to the bottom of things and also just, you know, break the rules all the time to get to the bottom of things, especially when we live in a, in a, in a society where all bets are off. No one really knows what right or wrong is anymore, it seems. So Fletch lives a good life. Yeah. Fletch lives a good life. Uh, <laughs> so obviously, with that said, uh, Chevy kind of looms heavily over this role. It's one of his iconic roles. He's very possessive of it. Did you ever think of like reaching out to him and talking to him about the role? Or did you, was that not something you really wanted to, to incorporate? I don't think the, the, uh, the 
practice of sort of reaching out and, and getting feedback would have been helpful, uh, yeah. you know, in, in the sense of trying to completely reimagine it, it, it almost feels retrograde, you know, and I think even when you see certain reboots of other franchises, when they, when they trot out the old guys and bring them in and you're kind of like, they're sort of shoehorned into it and you're like, did we really need that? Is that mm-hmm. adding more? Is that subtraction by addition? What's, what's, what's the real point? And unless there was something that was very much motivating that kind of uh, situation, I think we just decided to leave well enough alone. And I mean, yeah, I was tempted because I love Chevy. I mean, I, my parents let me watch SNL the first season, even though I was eight years so old. Mine. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> but my parents were <laughs> very conservative Catholics. Um, so yeah, he, <laughs> he was a huge hero to me. And in fact, the second movie I was going to do uh, after I did my first little indie film, I cast Chevy in it and he was going to play a major role. And then the whole thing fell apart. I, I was mm. so bummed that particularly that I didn't get to work with him. Um, so I was tempted. But at the end of the day, we didn't want to make a nostalgia piece. We feel like that's a crutch. Um, and then we thought it'll just remind people of something different. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we wanted to pay respect to the original because we love it. But we thought there's been a million Philip Marlowe's, yeah. Raymond Chandler's detective character. Why can't there be more than one Fletch? There, there could have been more than there could have been several Fletch by now, Fletches <laughs> by now, but they, they kept running into roadblocks. And you also have so you have a deep bench here of character actors who like Roy Wood Jr. and Colin McLaughlin and Marcia Gay Harden and, you know, John Slattery, obviously. Uh, but I, Annie Mumolo and Eugene Merman, like both of them <laughs> killed me. The Jay Giles through line, him keeping bringing up Jay Giles band. I could that, not hold it together for that. It's amazing. That was pretty much all Eugene. Yeah. yeah Gene, Gene was value added for sure. Uh, he, uh, I had gone over to his house for dinner and I was like, would you ever like be a part, just do something in this movie? Like you're, he's a local boss. He's a local hire. He yeah. lives in Boston. <laughs> and uh, I was like, would that ever be? He's like, sure. I'd love to. That sounds great. And we, I was kind of like, it's odd that they won't make a lot of money. I don't care. And I was like, well, we ha- kind of have the security guard who just kind of is a, he doesn't really, it would just basically be you riffing <laughs> for sure. And he was totally game and he, and he really threw himself into it as I knew he would. And um, it's guys like that, like, you know, that that's the fun part of kind of doing what we do is getting to, to know guys like that. And, and, and when, when they can bring their particular specific unique talents to something like that, it's just value added. The I can only have potatoes guys. Those are those are really <laughs> quality guys. Uh, yeah, he cracked me up. And, and then the you know the John Slattery of it all because you guys have such a like a worn in relationship. Was it as easy as just like we need a guy like John and I'm just going to call John or what was that? I knew that in success we were going to use him more, and I thought it would be a really fun uh, wink and a nod to kind of my old boss in mm-hmm. many many iterations, and I. And I know uh, John very well, obviously, and I knew he could be lovably gruff in this part, you know, in a very different way from Roger Sterling, obviously. And and yeah, there is there is kind of a, a baked in um, shorthand there. And it's the Greg can tell you that we didn't have to do a lot of rehearsing to to seem like a couple people that have worked together that maybe have history that, you know, that that plays. And, and that, that was, was the first day of shooting. Yeah. 
it was a nice ready-made relationship that was able to, again, provide something very satisfying, I think, on, on many levels. Nice. Have you guys already kind of earmarked a second book? Like, this is the one I'd want to do if we could do another one? Yes. Yeah. And you're yeah. not going to tell me which one it is? <laughs> Fine. <No>. Fine. <laughs> I'll read them all. All right. Uh, very important question. Did you keep the Lakers hat? I did. I did. Uh, yeah. Part of the crew gift was was the uh, a purple hat, Lakers hat. And, uh, and I, but I kept the original. Yeah. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty mm-hmm. cool. And Greg, I do want to touch on it just because I got time with you. It's been 15 years since Superbad. I got to experience that on opening night on vacation in a theater. It was the loudest theater experience I'd ever experienced. Like genuinely, when people say rolling in the aisles, I didn't think that was real, but they were doing it in North Carolina on opening night. Did you ever get to experience that movie like with a full pack? I did. I did. Well, we had a, a test screening that went unbelievably well that blew my mind. And then we had a Comic-Con screening that was like a rock concert. And then I went to see it with a normal paying audience. And it was one of those things where it's like, yeah, you better soak this up because this does not happen every time. It's, it was just the, the timing of that movie was just perfect because teen comedies had turned into these kind of squeaky clean uh, PG-13 slick things that perfectly fine and entertaining, but they just weren't what I remembered sneaking into Animal House. Right. So I think people were so ready to have something that goddamn filthy um, <laughs> in the movie amazing, theaters yeah. and went a little nuts, which was, uh, <laughs> yeah, which is really fun to be part of. Yeah. And then, John, in the future here, you got a lot of a lot of stuff coming up. Obviously, you've you've had your Maverick year, which has been huge. Congratulations on that. Um, but like I see the morning show, I see Fargo, but I also saw that IMDb put an alien show that you're a part of the alien show. Is that false? Cause I don't remember seeing that anywhere else. Like the, am I playing Sigourney Weaver? Am I rebooting Sigourney <laughs> Weaver? Are you Sigourney Weaver? <laughs> uh, I don't know anything about an alien show. I just know you're involved with Noah Hawley with the next Fargo. Yes, right? that I am. That I can definitely confirm. That's very exciting. That'll start shooting in a, in a, in a month or so in uh, Calgary, Alberta in the winter. Ooh. So uh, that <laughs> will be uh, brisk. But uh, no, I'm, I'm very much, I've, I've been a fan of, of that show and Noah's. I've worked with Noah before on a little movie called Lucy in the Sky. But uh, mm-hmm. I, I think Noah is a, a phenomenal um, talent and I'm very much looking forward to, to getting to play in that sandbox for a little while. It's a, uh, it's a very fun role and it's going to be a very fun chapter in that story. What period is it set in? I can't tell you. Oh, fine. <laughs> be that way. All right. Well, they are giving me the rap, but I do want to thank you both again uh, for your time. Confess Fletch for our audiences in limited theaters and VOD on September 16th and on Showtime October 28th. John, Greg, again, thank you so much. It was, it was thanks, really man. fun. Yeah. Thanks for talking with you. Thanks. Seen your byline many a time. Oh, thanks. Awesome. Yes. Yeah. I read you.